Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating happy, healthy, beautiful homes that prepare us to fly. And nice homes and kind homes. <laughs> kind and homes. And pleasant homes. Kindness is the topic today, right, Marjorie? Kindness with our children, kindness to each other, but mostly our kids. How do you raise kind kids? I think this is essential to the next generation. No, I think you're right. And this, when we discussed talking about this, I was immediately brought back to this story that I shared on Instagram, oh gosh, probably about a year ago, um, Mm -hmm. about my daughter, Bernadette. And fun that in the photo that I posted of her in this story, she is wearing a bright, fiery red wig. I tell you that because Marjorie has red hair and we are going to be talking to another famous, famous, wonderful redhead in just a few minutes. So Bernie is wearing this wig at school and I posted this picture of her and um, and I shared this little story about her, which the moral of this to me is so that kindness is our nature. Like I'm convinced that being kind is at our core. That is who we are. It's when we're afraid or insecure or stressed out or unsure that we are not kind. So that's my theory. Or when somebody has modeled that for us. Yes. For our entire lives. And then that's how we think things and are. Then, and then that's what we think the world is. So here's what but, I posted about Bernie. This is my beautiful Bernadette, decked out in a fabulous wig, I must say. And I shared this story. Last night we were in the car, stuck behind a woman who was fumbling around in her car instead of turning. Ugh! I groaned. Why did you say, ugh, mama? Bernie asked. And I replied, because this lady in front of us does not know how to drive. <laughs> Not in parentheses, I say, <laughs> I'm my worst version of myself while driving. I admit it. Right. Bernie replies, we can help her. We can give her hugs and kisses and high fives. Out of the mouths of babes, I wrote, what a reminder to lead with compassion, to look for the soft emotion, fear, insecurity, worry, confusion, before judging the action that's inconveniencing us. And then I continued on and said, she will also occasionally ask for an applesauce and then scream, I don't want it, when I hand it to her. (laughs) So we are all works in progress. Yes. And, um, but it, it was just, that was a real like watershed moment for me of thinking like, gosh, have I turned into a person who just immediately sees the bad in people and is a jerk to them? (laughs) No, is the answer to that. But we are all works in progress. And I think when we parent, we have to remember that they're watching us. They're watching what we do. They're watching how we act. They're They're watching how they are little sponges. And that brings us to our wonderful redheaded guest today, Miss Joan Steffen. Oh, I'm so excited that she's joining us. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. But you guys have already covered everything I was going to say. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, right. Oh my gosh, we love Joan so much. So, I mean, background on Joan could go on forever, but and and I mean this in just the most. Uh, hopefully, you take this with just such admiration <laughs> that I mean, I wanted to be Joan when oh. I was a kid. I mean, talk about like the idea of the type of news anchor I wanted to be. I mean, when I was young, I wanted to be a news anchor. That was it. And Joan Steffen was anchoring at Care 11 and Joan delivered her stories with kindness. I mean, yes. like reading, yes. I, the gift of being able to read a teleprompter and read words that are meant to be just very straight lined, tell the story, share the facts. And Joan was able to infuse so much emotion and kindness and empathy into those words was such an inspiration for me, Joan. And it has wow. been an inspiration for me ever since. Wow, thank you so much. And by the way, we were both um, from Cambridge, basically. Yeah, I was born in Cambridge. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't, I didn't know that. I was only oh, there yeah. for a few short um, couple days in the hospital, and then we were in St. Francis, and then I moved on. But um, Cambridge, man, Joan, Cambridge is hopping right now, too. Little tiny town north of the Twin Cities, but they've got, like, great restaurants these days. I am going on the day before Mother's Day for my first time to go to Willard's. It's going to be, I'm so excited. I'm excited to see Main Street kind of revive itself. That's the spot. I thought that was an act of kindness for, for this man to... Um, to to decide to to make his life have meaning and connection to his children and also help a small town. That's I mean, Chef Eric Harsey that she's talking about, Marjorie. Yeah. It's really phenomenal because he had restaurants in in Minneapolis, but was commuting back and forth to Cambridge. And I think Eric has like four kids, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And so is he opening a restaurant there? Yeah, he shut his restaurant here down and then opened Willard's in Cambridge, which is like a spot that you would not think of as being a destination for fabulous it can change food. Change a town, and it, it can is change a town. We we just featured Willards on Twin Cities Live a couple weeks ago, and I could not believe how good the food was. Oh, Thanks. I'm so excited. I love it. Anyway, yeah. Now, I reached out to him just to tell him I was not only excited about the restaurant, but really excited that somebody chose life rather than um, just career. You know, he chose both kind of yeah. by going back to Cambridge. That is so, so and that's, true. And that is sort of, Joan, you've always been in, we've been friends for such a long time now, for over a decade. And <laughs> you are always an inspiration to me because I would have to say our decision-making processes are very different in, no how, we make, in how we make life choices. Yeah. And I think I aspire to be you. Oh, really? <laughs> I'll just be well, honest. I aspire to be you. Because you do. Is, I'm a selfish quitter. So if you want to adopt that, please feel free. <laughs> No, I, I think I think what well let's get to what one of the things one of the reasons we're talking to you today is you decided to make kindness primary and to talk about kindness primary. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, you know what? It's it's like you you say I decided, but it's kind of decided me. I didn't mm. really, I don't, I didn't make a conscious decision I don't think to do that. People keep talking about my kindness project and my it's like I. I'm a distiller by nature. You know, I worked in television news, so you go out and you t you get hours and hours of information, and you distill it down to a minute and ten or a minute and twenty. Right. Um, so I've and that that is my nature. So I've always liked to look at really big issues, problems, people, and kind of distill it down to the the smallest thing that I can take a bite of. Right. And um, when I uh, this happened after the election in 2016, I was on Facebook 
and just horrified by how people were treating one another. And my first instinct was to get off of Facebook and don't, you know, just don't participate in any way. And then I thought, that's kind of selfish of me. So I, I thought, well, maybe if I can put something in there that everybody can agree on. And so when I distilled it down, uh, it really is, to me, kindness is the most effective thing that we can all agree on. I haven't found anybody who doesn't want people to be more kind, more kind <laughs> yeah. to them, more kind to their children. So there's a so at least there's a starting point. So that was that was the distillation process and then I just started posting at that time I was posting every day and it it didn't even feel it didn't feel as conscious as I just made it seem. Right. It, it just grew and people just associated it with me for some reason and I was I was shocked by it but I I there is not a part of me that doesn't believe that you can't in this moment make the world a kinder place how would you define kindness kindness to me is the action word of uh, of peace kindness is is um, anything that allows the world to feel more love be more love or allows yourself to feel more love and be more love because I think that's that's one of the things that we tend to forget is that the first kindness has to be towards yourself. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I love that. You can be kind out in the world and you can make a difference with that kindness, but there's something about having it come from a place that's really rooted in kindness toward yourself that that um, it, it's a different flavor. It's a different texture when it reaches the world, I think. Well, that's why Joan's mission fits so well in with Best to the Nest. I mean, we talk here so much, Joan, about this idea of making your home. Just, I mean, it can feel so overwhelming to think like, how can I make a difference everywhere in the world, right? I mean, how can I change the entire world? Well, we really think, I mean, how you change the world is you start by changing your little nest, your little home, and you make that the place that is like that wonderful sanctuary that, you you know, you strive for that. And then that overflows into your neighbors and down the street and into your workplace and your community and all of those things. Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about is, I mean, your kindness project is highlighting just little tiny moments like it doesn't have to be this huge thing no in fact that's one of my mantras too it's like what's the least you can do yeah (laughs) oh my gosh marjorie this is amazing this is what we need to hear what's the least you can do i love that i don't mean it in a lazy i know but it feels great to those of us who are just kind of feeling like i can't do one more thing exactly Exactly, but what? Uh, because people will, you know, we always focus on the stories of people who have done massive good works, right. massive charitable endeavors. They founded right. huge nonprofits and changed the world. Awesome. I think that's great. But you know what? Most of us will look at that and go, well, I guess there's nothing for me. I can't do that. There's right, nothing right. for me to do. But but in in this moment, you can send your, you can think, uh, you can consciously think a kind thought about yourself. In this moment, you can consciously think a kind thought about somebody else or, you know, the world if you want to. There's a, um, there's a man by the name of Dr. David Hawkins. He's, he was, he's passed now, but he was an orthomolecular psychiatrist who was, you know, he co-authored books with, oh God, you know, really important people. (laughs) Um, it, 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 the bottom line is he, he spent 20 years kind of studying spirituality and love and fear and and he came to the scientific conclusion that's how he would put it that one 
conscious, loving person can balance out three quarters of a million who are not. No. Oh, I love that. Really? Oh, Joan, say that again. Say that again. Say that again. One conscious, I would add kind, loving person can balance out three quarters of a million who are not. 750,000. That was his love versus fear ratio. Boy. Um, so if you sit in your home, in your little nest right now, and think that you can't have any impact, you can. And it really is comes from um, being conscious and working on your own self, your own loving nature. Right. Um, it's, it's powerful. It's powerful. And we can... I, I'm one of those ever optimistic people who I believe that we can shift this world even now when it's looking so chaotic I believe that it's possible and it it will only start with you you are the only tool you have been given to shift the world so why don't you use it yeah no and, and I think to that idea of shifting the world and again this goes back to we're busy we're tired we're whatever mm-hmm. home if you shift your home first yeah. And that's a place of kindness and a place of peace where you're talking to your children with kindness and you're talking to your husband with kindness and you're talking to your pets with kindness. Uh-huh. That will emanate out into the world. And I think right. this is one of the things that I just feel so strongly about. And part of this is, you know, I've I've talked about on, on this podcast that I was quite fiery by nature um, as a youngin. And when I was raising the kids, when they were little, 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 I was balancing and juggling a lot too much yeah. probably that it was not I could be I could be short with the kids mm-hmm. and I remember um Campbell my younger son saying to me mom I I wish how did he phrase it he said I wish basically said I wish you didn't get mad oh yeah, yeah. I wish you didn't get mad he was three and for oh. me that changed everything for sure and I was just like, and I wasn't, you know, the funny thing is, is I don't, I wasn't like, I wasn't a screamer. I wasn't, what I was, was impatient. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what he is such a gentle soul. That's mm-hmm. what he was feeling. He was just feeling like I wasn't where, I wasn't being happy about where I was in that moment. Because right. it really wasn't. I mean, if you saw his little face, there was no way you could yell at him. I don't think I've yelled at him more than 10 times in his life because <laughs> he's such a little sweet pea. But it yeah. was just that constant impatience. Come on, let's go. Get your shoes on get your shoes on get your shoes on come on we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go and when he said that to me it was like okay there were two things in my life that changed everything that and when my son looked at me and said mom i don't know why you can't have a job like dad's where i just see you at some point during the day yeah I was going to say, I'd like to introduce the idea that, you know, we always say we're going to make our kids kinder, but I think oftentimes our kids are here to point out where we get to improve. For sure. Oh, I, love, I mean, that's did. the story of Bernie in the car when my yeah, reaction, yeah. you know, mama, we exactly. could help her. She, yeah. Maybe she needs help. And I felt. But, it, but at the same time, we can't ignore that our behavior can become their behavior. Oh, without question. Yeah, that without we are question. modeling. And so yeah, that's I think modeling is the is the is the only answer to the part that you get to. I shouldn't say only because I don't I don't know if anything is ever only, but right. but it's it's the to me it's the biggest thing that you can tell your kids to be kind, but if you show that you have a a, a kind nature, um, then that then they'll they'll see the the success of that. Um, if you yell at them, they'll. I understand that that is the way you're supposed to act. If you're yeah. snarky towards people and judgmental towards how um, people look or dress or yep. or or speak, that will become oh no, that's that's how we do adulting. Dr. Yeah. Bruce Lipton says between the ages of zero and seven, at least, kids are 
basically just, I think it's on theta brain waves, which is kind of hypnosis. They just take in whatever they see as truth and it becomes their right. belief system. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so who, who we are is really important to our kids and how they view the world. At a very, at such a, a subconscious level. And I think yeah. that's something that, to your point about our kids teaching us or to, you know, Elizabeth Bernie teaching you, yeah. it's those moments that as a parent, you have to listen to them because they're telling you sort of what you need to hear at times yeah. like that. And I, I'm glad that I was open enough to say, okay, they're really, they're saying something so important here. Mm-hmm. I need to listen to it. But I love this quote. So I was looking through um, some articles last night and one of the quotes was, kindness isn't taught, it's learned. In mm-hmm. order to be kind, you have to experience it at home. And yeah. I think we, we, as parents, we can't forget that. And then this is the other thing, which I'd love to hear what you guys think about this. So it was a recent study suggests parents have to work harder to show they actually value things like helping an elderly neighbor as much as they do getting A's. It goes on to say researchers at Harvard, at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, found 80% of youth say their parents care more about personal achievements or happiness than whether they are kind human beings. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Of the 10,000 uh-huh. students surveyed, they were three times as likely to agree than disagree with that statement. My parents are prouder if I get good grades in my classes than if I'm a caring community member. Boy, and that, I mean, look at then what that creates is a society where we've got this giant college admission scandal where you have parents paying to get their kids into school. I I mean, that's like right there. That's the extreme of that thought. Yeah, of what what we're really valuing. Joan, I want to know from you of of the things that you've shared um, with your kindness project. I mean, what are some things that really stand out that have like been major moments for you where you've thought, boy, this is this is it. This is it right here. The most recent post that I had that that got the most response was, well, I be- see, I believe that the people who are standing behind cash registers or waiting on tables are the most important people in our world because mm-hmm. they sew us together. Mm-hmm. You know, they touch so many people. <laughs> I love uh, that. Every day. And um, I was at Taco Libre, which has awesome cheese sauce, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> in up picking up food for uh, my daughter and her husband. And the man behind the counter was so palpably kind um, that I ended up having a conversation with them and I pass out these little kindness cards that they it says thank you for your kind fingerprints on the world Mm. and so I passed them out and I gave one to him and we had this beautiful conversation that left me in tears in Taco Libre (laughs) because and not just because the cheese sauce was so good good. (laughs) no but that was part of it but he, he was he just he but I don't do it um, to get anything back. He says, I do it consciously because it's what the world needs. Oh. And this is so, like, this one gentleman behind <sighs> the counter at Co Libre is shifting the world so beautifully. And so I wrote just a little, you know, short story about that. And that, you know, people respond to that. But, and I think it's because it's so, um, it can it can go so unseen. and it's And it's a part of so many people's lives, you know. Um, so that that makes me happy. That makes me really happy. I love that idea of what you said, or those are the people that sew us together. And I think just the visual of that for all of us going out into the world. And also, again, and I'm hyper-focused on this as a lesson to our children, that when you go out into the world, you're part of what sews us all together. Um, That every time you have an interaction with somebody, they can either leave feeling good or bad or neutral. 
as if it was just a robotic exchange. Yeah. And who wants that? I mean, who wants that to be the world that they live in? I love the the line also, first do no harm. So I'm good with I'm good mm. with neutral as you know, <laughs> as a starting point. You're good. Um, because, <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, because we do go out there and we do, you know, get behind the wheel of a car, get behind the, um, you know, your laptop and, and you, you can do damage and I've had damage done to me and you've had damage done to you. So first do no harm is, is a really good thing. I don't have the exact quote, but there was a quote from Mother Teresa basically saying, if you want to change the world, first go home and smile at your family. Yes, yes, or, that's, yes, yes that's exactly it. So. so one of the things that inspired um, wanting to have this conversation was an article I read on Today's Parents. It's a, it's a You can go to the Today Show website, and they have all these sort of parents exchanging ideas. Mm-hmm. And it was from a woman who was writing about a day that she was on campus. I think she was a professor, and she was walking around campus. It was a sunny day. She was talking about her own body image. And then she looked in front of her and she saw a young student who was walking through the campus who by perception might, you know, be a little bit, I see, I even hate saying that because I don't know Mm -hmm. what overweight is, Yeah, Mm -hmm. but just um, had a little bit of, you know, her little bit of her tummy was hanging out and she was showing her midriff. So this was a student who was walking along and the writer was saying it was so great to watch this woman who was obviously so comfortable with her body, so happy with her body. And she was just sort of walking through, just look like I'm, I'm good. And she said it was quite startling to her when she saw other students who would be perceived to be perfectly fit sort Mm -hmm. of look over at this other woman and start to judge. Yeah. And she said she could see these women judging this other woman who was so good with herself. And then they mm-hmm. started to make some comments. And she said it just was so disheartening to see this. And the point of her article was, we need to teach our daughters to be kind. We need them to teach them to not be judgmental. We need them. We need to teach them to be accepting. And I, I say all this because I have sons. I don't have daughters. And I think men and women can be equally un- unkind. But mm-hmm. I think women have a way of doing it to one another that, that's mm. particular to women. And you have raised two of the most wonderful women. Oh, I love them too. How did you do that? No, How, what I, was I, important I, to you? You know, I, I think vulnerability is, is huge. I mean, I, I, um, I hope that I modeled uh, that because I, me being in the television industry is, you know, Elizabeth will attest to, you you get a lot of shots taken at you, whether you are thin or you put on some weight or your hair, you know. Day you in, day out, sister. Day in and day out. And, and, and it hurts. And um, so I'm certain that they saw a lot of vulnerability coming home with me. Um, and mm. that that probably I would hope that that impacted them positively but I also know that there was a that that probably broke them in some ways too because I could adapt I could take on some of those things that people would write to me mm-hmm. or call in and say to me and um and beat myself up in front of them so I take responsibility for for um also introducing that concept that there's an idea of perfection that oh, uh, you need to head for I, I feel like I didn't I didn't do a good job there just because it was so so much a part of what I was dealing with. I think we all just need to take responsibility for being conscious in the culture. Mm. Um, the culture is so hell-bent on making some material aspect, um, like women need to head to a, a, an idea of perfection yeah. um, before they are allowed their voice, before they are allowed their 
uh, full expression of who they are. You can be, per- you can tell me what you think about the world as soon as your waist is a perfect 26. For sure. Or as soon as you have a thigh gap, for God's sake, that's not, never going to happen in my life. No. You know, but we, we, we hold these material ideas of perfection that, that are held almost like boundaries for women. Once you achieve perfect hair, perfect face, perfect body, then you can move out into the mainstream and not worry about, you know, what you get back, the slap back. Right. Um, so I, I, I honestly, I think it's, it's, it's each one of us again doing our work. It all comes back to that same thing, like looking at the world and going, why did I think that when I looked at that woman? I, I need to stop that. The judgment isn't going to lead us to any better place. Yeah. And the um, judgment though, I mean, I'm kind of convinced, Joan, and I write this back to a lot of women. Women are the hardest on me, the hardest on me about how I look, my weight, about every, anything. And, um, it's very difficult for me to understand that and to feel like, boy, like you're the one that should have my back on this. Right. And so women are the hardest. And so what I've, what I've really learned to reply with is I just would encourage you to give others grace but first start by giving yourself some grace because if this is what you're saying to me i can't imagine what you're saying to yourself oh that is so perfect that's really so beautiful i mean and that's really the thing that's kind of gotten me to the point where i've been able to start to really separate myself from those comments because you know Mm -hmm. i've been on tv for 17 years and i've gone through being from 20, you know, 21 until now I'm almost 38 and I've had Mm -hmm. two pregnancies and I've had times when I've been stressed or not stressed. My weight has gone up and down and all around. I've had good hairstyles, bad hairstyles, (laughs) the whole deal, you know? I mean, and that's, that's just how it works. I have cellulite that you might see if I, if I sit down and you have a, and I have a skirt on and you see it, then you're going to see the cellulite. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It is there, (laughs) but but the key, I mean, it's never been for me about like toughening up or getting a thick skin or Mm -hmm. trying to just go, well, they don't matter. It's about saying, it's really like the shift for me has really been about empathy and saying, gosh, they're saying that to me and they don't even know me. What are they saying to themselves when they look in the mirror? And that's that's where it's coming from such a place of pain. And that's where I've been able to separate myself from having a reaction to that that has to do with me. The reaction has to do with empathy for them. That was such a gift for me, just for you to say that. Thank you so much. That's really... That's really lovely. I love the way that you respond to that. Okay, if I inspired my inspiration, it's going to be oh. a real big deal. <laughs> Just FYI. It's going to be like a real big deal. <laughs> That's feminine energy, though. That's the beauty of yep. feminine energy. It's yeah. like it's not this top-down thing where you have right. inspiration that gives you something down there. on the. It's women operate in a circle, and we give each other the you know the wisdom and the kindness and that we have to offer and we place it in the middle and whoever comes and wants to take it they get it you know I love I love that feminine energy yeah I think back to what you were saying too Elizabeth is empathy and what in in responding to somebody that way because I think when when you're in the public eye but it doesn't even you don't even have to be in the public eye I think now with Instagram and all of these social media channels if you have an you know if you have an account there's a chance somebody that you don't know is going to be mean to you. For sure. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. what's interesting is in that moment where somebody's sort of saying horrible things to you, the fact that you can reach back 
with a kindness, really. That's important. That was an evolution. I, it wasn't always there. <laughs> but I wonder how that feels. You know, I wonder how that feels back when they read that. I mean, yeah. I would almost like to be on the other side of that when, when they read your email back to them. Me is, too. Is there a shift? You know, is there a small shift that, oh, my goodness, she's, first of all, she's human. And I just said something mean to another human being. Mm-hmm. And look at her response back to me was kind. Yeah. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier, Joan, that one person, how does one person's kindness and love reverberate out into the universe? What effect right. can that have? Because right. I think that's so important. And I think that's that, again, goes back to, and I, I struggle with this, is how much of that, how do we... Again, I don't think we can tell our kids be this or be that. But mm-hmm. what are the things we can do day to day that model that sort of behavior for our children? And I think when when kids were mean to my kids, what I would try and say to them, I mean, there was a and and you're going to just you're probably just going to come into this starting in the next couple of years, Elizabeth, with Bernie, as she goes out into the world a little bit more and you're not. She's not so much in a protected cocoon yeah. that the world starts to sort of affect her and be a part of her uh, of her life. And, you know, I was thinking about this last night of, of how do we teach our kids to respond to bullies or other kids when they're mean? What's the response? And your response, Elizabeth, is the perfect one. And I think I tried to do that a little bit with my kids. I'll never forget when Gar was... I think five or six, he was invited to a birthday party. It may not seem like a big deal to a lot of people, but I will tell you, this is a big deal to him and he can still remember it. The little boy whose party it was came up to him and said, you know, I didn't want you to be here. My mom made Made me me invite you. you. Oh, geez. And it was crushing to him and he didn't understand why somebody would say that to him. You know, you have to step back as a mother and say, well, that wasn't a very nice thing to say. And then try and figure out an answer of why the world works this way. Yeah. Why would you say that? I don't know that I had a good answer. Your answer, Elizabeth, would have been a good one. This is more about him than it is about you. But I was thinking about it last night and I, I started to think about what was going on in his family what behavior was being modeled with his family uh-huh. that that would seem like an appropriate thing to say. And in the end, what it was, and I don't think I was a sm- smart enough mother then to know this, in the end, it was the family dynamic that he came from. Yeah. The dad, I had seen them in public, generally didn't speak very nicely to his wife. Yeah. So there was already some modeling of disrespect going on. Uh-huh. And so the fact that that disrespect would come out of a young child's mouth Shouldn't surprise anybody. Shouldn't surprise right. you. That's the modeling. So, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, I don't, I, do you, have you thought about how you're going to deal with those things, Elizabeth? I, you know, I think the same way. I, it's trying to understand where somebody else is coming from. I mean, and that's always the empathy. And then, and, and there is just a, I think you clearly have to say too, like you did, that wasn't a nice thing to say. It's not nice because, yeah. you know, it's also not your kid's job to, at, five or six to try to figure out the family dynamic of another family <laughs> and like take that on and feel like, like oh. they have to like analyze the state of the world. Right. You know, like I can take on that idea of like, why do women feel like we have to compare ourselves? Why are, you know, all that stuff I can think about with a little one. I mean, sometimes you just have to say, I think it just wasn't, that wasn't nice. It wasn't nice. And how would we handle it differently? 
Right Joan, then, how did you handle that with your girls growing up? Oh, I, there was a lot of that going on. Um, it, yeah, I feel like parenting is like constant mental and emotional tap dancing. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they bring you something and it's like, okay, oh, God, please let there be some wisdom that comes to me. <laughs> um, ultimately, I try. I guess I tried to build them up, you know, and, and help them to see that um, the, the pain that was offered to them wasn't theirs it belonged to the person it's basically what you've been talking about um but yeah kids can be cruel and i remember blair going through a bullying scenario and um and the shocking thing to me was when joe went to talk to the parents of the kids who were doing the bullying to a person they all metaphorically or really shut the door in his face didn't want to talk about it um wanted to send the problem on to the school system or didn't want to talk so again you can see where the ideas to bully came from you know the the parents didn't even want to talk about it so they aren't talking about it with their kids so i i would say you know we got to just keep talking to our kids and the talking needs to be integrous with what you're modeling and then it becomes this great safe haven that the kids can you know come back to recharge grow in and then move back out into the world and i just want to mention too if you if anybody feels like they want to feel a little bit better about the kids in the world uh, my husband and i joe brandmeyer did a uh a, a nine different videos with kids between the ages of five and 12. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. It's wonderful. And and even if the kids don't always act from kindness, they know the Mm. wisdom of it and it's deep in them. And I, and I think Mm. it's our job to protect it and to nurture it. And if you go to uh, YouTube, it's under kinder, Mm. a hopeful idea. Um, you'll see nine kids from around uh, the Minnesota and Wisconsin area who um, who will tell you how simple it is to be kind. It's like if somebody falls off their chair, pick them up. Pick them up. If somebody's <laughs> sad, put your arm around them. And there you go. It's all, it's all so simple, and we can't make it complex. We need to make it simple, and we need to own it. Joan, we'll link that up, too, on our Facebook page and oh, on our so social much. media, and it is so fun to have you here. It's just fabulous. Yeah, Joan, it's such a pleasure. Thank you, Joan. We love you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Gosh, what a joy. I know. Okay. It's so fun. Whenever I'm with her, it's like, I need to be a better person. She's very calming. I need to be a better person. I mean, she has the most calming voice. I know. And you know, if you recognize Joan, if you're not from the Twin Cities and you're an HGTV addict, you will know that Joan Stefan hosted Decorating Sense, which I think still to this day is the longest running yeah. show on HGTV. And isn't it so funny that, of course, as we're introducing her, that doesn't even come up? No. Because to me... It's so important, and it was a great show. Was I a great loved show. the show. So fun. But it to me, what's so important is who Joan is, yeah. not what she's done. <laughs> she just never stops trying to figure out how to make the world better. And that's, you know, TV shows and all of those other things were wonderful, and were, you know, it was great to have them. But she is such an amazing person in that her thoughts are big thoughts. Yeah, they are. I I wrote down, and when I asked her the definition of kindness, 
I knew she would say something so profound (laughs) uh, because that's a hard thing to ask somebody. And I wrote this down, Elizabeth. She said, it's the action word for peace. For sure. The action word for peace. I've got a whole page of notes from this podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend. If you are super motivated, give us a review at Apple Podcasts. This is from Senya May. Who's going to be our guest in our next episode. Wait. (laughs) Yes. This is so good. Okay, I don't usually have time to listen to podcasts, but I find myself sneaking little breaks in and tuning into Elizabeth and Marjorie every week. It's like hanging out with girlfriends. Bonus, inspiring lovely ways to bring my best self home every day. And let me tell you, when we talk to Senya uh, in our next episode about anxiety, you are not going to want to miss it. It's oh, this is going good. to be big. And please reach out to us. You can find both of us on Instagram at best to the nest or at Eliz Reese or at it's me Marjorie one. And then we're also on Twitter and Facebook at Best to the Nest. Until next time. Until next time. (laughs) See ya.